Welcome to a Drop Tent Media Production. Welcome to the Lone Stakers Podcast. Hi, I'm Albert Davis, and I'm a solo staker on the Ethereum blockchain. And I'm Tommy Harris, and I'm a solo staker. Both Tommy and I are crypto enthusiasts, navigating the world of Ethereum solo staking. We're not experts, but we're on a journey to learn more. So join us as we explore, learn, and stake our claim in the Ethereum network. Well, welcome, Jefferson, to uh, the Lone Stakers podcast. Um, uh, by the way, my, my co-podcaster, uh, co Tommy, couldn't, couldn't be here uh, today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing the solo uh, Stakers podcast uh, solo today. Um, and so I found it very interesting that you have the Around the Block um, podcast, and that's been going for, for a while. Um, how You want to just mention a little bit about that podcast, how long it's been going, what got you started with it, and anything you have? Sure. Well, um, years ago, um, when I was, even before I uh, did journalism, um, I was editing Wikipedia pages uh, for a lot of the different um, crypto projects. For example, uh, there was another WorldCoin uh, project, and I used to maintain that WorldCoin Wikipedia page, um, which is hilarious because now there's a new WorldCoin, right? Um, mm -hmm. But that's the thing. It's like I, I had names, dates, you know, people, you know, what was going on, what, all of that stuff. And um, randomly, there was a Wikipedia editor that deleted just like almost like 10,000 pages or something. Just all of that crypto history back in 2013, 2014. Um, and it, it was devastating to me because I, you know, like all my work just got deleted. And the mm. rationale was there was no way to know if this was a paid placement or not. And I'm like, honestly, half of Wikipedia is probably paid placement. Um, you know, there, there's no way to know if it's paid placement. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm not getting paid for this. I, you know, whatever. Just that Wikipedia editor just had a thing about crypto projects, I guess. Um, and so I, I looked around. And I was trying to find a way to make sure that history cannot be deleted. Um, and I found out that podcasts, um, along with the rest of journalism, um, has a unique place uh, with, uh, well, basically it's akin to radio. Right? Is it can't do what? Radio. Okay. Things that happen on the radio uh, can't necessarily be deleted, right? And as a matter of fact, a lot of the radio shows, a lot of the um, pick something, uh, they're archived by Library of Congress and now the Wayback Machine. So I found out that I could submit uh, text and even whole podcast uh, to the Wayback Machine. And, and I, so I started that whole podcasting process uh, back in 2013, 2014. There's been a, a couple of names, like One Confirmation and Around the Block. But I've had other co-hosts, and finally I just did it myself. Um, and I've interviewed uh, so many amazing people. Um, for example, Adam Draper. He um, has been doing just amazing stuff with uh, just anything in metaverse, crypto, um, if, if you check out his, uh, you know, Adam, just check out his name, Adam Draper, you'll see there's a list of probably 150 different projects he's on. And he's well plugged in 
to what's happening within the crypto metaverse and all that. And, and it's going gangbusters. And here's the thing. Let's say I do an interview with them. It should not be the case that that interview gets deleted uh, because somebody has a thing about crypto. Uh, this is history. This is somebody's life uh, that we're talking about here. And I am fortunate enough to have, you know, 20, 30 minutes uh, of a snippet of their life to find out what they're thinking, what they're doing, what they're uh, passionate about, you know, who they are. And I have learned so much over the years uh, from all of these people. Um, you know, there's uh, the one guy that's working for uh, one of the big firms, working with the Fortune 5 company, the Ethereum project. And, and he was like, oh yeah, well, the reason why we're not like going big with Ethereum right now is it cannot literally handle uh, for one client alone, uh, more than a million transactions a day, just for one client. And they have a bunch. So imagine they're talking about hundreds of millions or even about possibly billions of transactions per day. And uh, and actually that upgrade is happening, uh, I think I think early next year, if I remember correctly, uh, to the Ethereum blockchain. And so, I mean, imagine, it's like getting an insight that this is what's gonna happen from the people that are actually making history happen. And again, I, I'm, I'm so fortunate to be able to do that. Wow, that, that's, that's an amazing perspective. And, and it's, it is true. Well, it's, it's I guess, uh, you know, as long as information is, is um, let's put it this way, anything can be lost to posterity. Um, maybe perhaps with the exception, exception of things on a blockchain, which I guess remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, the frustration that you experienced, um, I think a lot of people working in the digital realm especially can relate to because, let's put it this way, a book, you can't just press a button and delete an entire book. It's more more of a conscious act. Um and yeah, and some some things people lose in the digital world because of an accidental keystroke or, you know, maybe their the computer gets a little old and they go to a new computer and there's a bunch of stuff on that old computer that just kind of stays there. And they think maybe one day my someone will come after me and look at all the great stuff I left behind. And then at some point that goes into, uh, you know, it just goes to somewhere else. So um but capturing this moment, it, it is, these are kind of historical times in, in a sense. I mean, you're talking to people involved in the industry um, that are, you say, movers and shakers and people that really have the insight. So, um, yeah, for, yeah, so I think that's, that's phenomenal um, that you've been on that nice podcasting journey. And it is a way to really get deeper and understanding things better so i'd like to have an idea from you how you kind of went your your pathway before you got interested in um the crypto industry or crypt you know cryptocurrencies and then kind of when when you got introduced like how you saw that and then kind of went into that realm so uh in 2010 uh, a friend of mine uh, sent me an article um, about this uh, Satoshi guy writing this Bitcoin thing. And, you know, he wanted my opinion about it. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. I'm always the, um, you know, 
if you want to know what's going on, ask Jefferson type of thing to my friends and family, right? So um, if it's a scam or not. And so I took a look at it. And I was like, wow, this is very much, and I've been familiar with the e-gold thing that came before that. They're kind of like a predecessor to, to Bitcoin. Um, and that, that was definitely a scam. I warned people off of it. Um, but Bitcoin, I was like, wow, this is very different because, you know, no one person controls everything. There's not some random dude with the ledger saying, you know, something. It's actually nobody owning it. And I was like, wow, that actually, that looks really, really well. Then the next was like, well, let's see if it actually works. So I had a gaming machine, of course, and I downloaded Bitcoin. I, yes. You know, one of those people that lost coin because I'll tell you. So I mine, I don't know how much really, because it was just mining for like uh, more than a month. And my wife actually one day was like, why is the room getting so hot? You know, because we're coming out of winter. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, um, open a few windows, right? So, but I, I mined. Um, it, I, there was some amount of Bitcoin that I didn't really check. I have no idea. But imagine a computer mining for more than a month. There's probably, I don't know, 500 Bitcoins on it. Thing was, um, the price of Bitcoin fell uh, to 50 cents. And there was this scammy board called Bitcoin Talk that I signed up for. And you can see my handle on there, Mind Dragon. It's still there. Um, talk about history not being deleted. Um, some stuff is still there. So and I, I'm like, these people seem so scammy. You know, I, I'm gonna write it off. So I faded. And then about 2012, I read the news all the time. I read 800 words a minute. And uh, I, I, like all day, I'm reading what's happening. And I, I read this article Bitcoin's up to 100. Whoa, wait, well, the last I saw was 50 cents. What's this $100 business? And so, yeah, I got back in. Um, and then I went to, uh, I was like, well, I wanna find out more about it. So, and my wife was like, I, I need to kick you out of the house. You need to go somewhere. Fine. So I ended up going to uh, some Bitcoin meetups uh, headed up by a, a bunch of shady characters, so to speak, right? My wife was like, got to kick you out of the house. Um, and so I ended up going to the Bitcoin meetups and I find all the randomly weird shady characters. Um, I'll have you know, though, these shady characters go on to farm uh, salt, uh, the Bitcoin ATM, two of the largest Bitcoin ATM companies around the world, uh, two different people there. Um, Crypto Panama, but they faded out long since, but they were actually the banking company behind a lot of exchanges for a while. And uh, on and on. I mean, this was then. I met the people that later went on to found all these incredible companies. And so, hence the reason why I wanted to do podcasts, right, later. Um, I was like, well, I'm going to, and that, that's why I got so pissed off about people rewriting history. It's like, really? I mean, these are the people that are now, look, look at what they're doing, you know. Uh, ATMs all over the world because of this guy getting him, getting him. So now you go ask yourself, what was he thinking like back in 2013, 2014? You know, this is like incredible stuff to even know. Um, you know, just see, my dad likes history. And so in a way, I, I kind of like history myself, you know, and not from the, I want to read a history book. No, if I ever see one again, that's going to be too much. Uh, but I, I like, you know, just knowing why some, something ended up a certain way. 
right? Mm -hmm. uh, because that'll give you insights into, you know, even things you do. Uh, there was another great series that actually kind of inspired me called Connections, right? By James Burke. I highly recommend watching at least the first season. Uh, incredible to understand how innovation happens. And I see it happening right now today in the uh, crypto industry. Uh, people go, oh, it's a bear market. I'll have you know that there's probably no fewer than 5,000 projects, like real projects being worked on right now. And even if you go, well, 4,000 of them is garbage, that means there's a thousand projects that are likely gonna succeed, all right? You talk about a numbers game, this is one for their history books. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and even outside of that, you go, well, the top 100, what are they doing? Well, Solve Care, for example. Um, I know they're not even in the top 100 by market cap. Don't look at market cap, it's not about the dollar. I keep trying to tell people, it's not about the dollar. It's about what you do with crypto. Crypto is an innovation. Crypto is egoless money. And that's what I learned so long ago uh, in 2012. That's what I realized. And that's what I've been so passionate about it for all these years is that decentralized, egoless money, programmatic money, it's a language now of money and energy. And now you can translate this into just anything within the world. Well, that, that's awesome, uh, Jefferson. Um, I, I found it fascinating that like you immediately said, you know, I want to uh, do this mining thing way, way back. That's not everybody's first like go-to thing, but it's like how you could understand how it really worked. I think that you have to have like your hands on. And um, so now can you t give us a little insight how you kind of went from Bitcoin, which is what most people initially start and then um when you learned about ethereum and then and then did you do any um mining on ethereum and then well, this is, and then the staking part of ethereum this is a great great story so another shady character so to speak uh and i'm using that term lightly all right um he shows up at the at the denver bitcoin meetup and actually at the golden one too because you know, people were branching out and all that um, and, uh, and he goes, I'm going to give a talk how Ethereum works, right? And he goes into this, I'm not kidding, super like PhD engineering level, how it, now I kind of got it. All right. And I, this is when the light bulb went on in my head. All right. And I, I kind of got, I was like, this is amazing stuff. And my friend was there and he's like, should I buy Ethereum? It's only five bucks right now. I was like, yeah, you might as well pick up some. You know, sell some Bitcoin and buy some, hand it a pine like a dial of Ethereum. So, um, and I can only buy a few. I'm one of those poor, broke, starving engineering people, right? But the, but the Ethereum guy, but the big thing with it, it was the ability to program. Um, and he, he actually gave the basis of a smart contract. Uh, they didn't call it smart contract then. He called it some virtual computing something or other. I forget what he called it, something like that like virtual computing, algorithm, whatever. Smart contract, much nicer name. Um, and, and I was like, man, you could do so much with that. You know, programming, um, you know, creating, well, you see it all now today. Uh, and to wit, there's a guy that's running around now. Um, it's the Kong project, uh, where you can put an NFT on a physical object, all right? 
on a physical, on a physical what? NFT. Like you can program using the blockchain a physical NFT. That means to verify it, you just need the blockchain. You don't need any of this. You talk about the ultimate security. I can't think of much better than that. Um, like if you don't have that, you're not getting in the door. So to speak, it'd be much better than the queue systems we have today, which are, by the way, very hackable. Um, so, I mean, on and on, there's a lot of uses for just level one uses. And so that's like I said, that's when the light bulb went on because of programming and so forth else. And so I stayed with Ethereum over the years. I always say Bitcoin and Ethereum. I, I don't even say Litecoin. I don't even say any of the others. All right. It's Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, because if you, if you want to be safe, sure, if you want to play or whatever, uh, play, right? Keep in mind that project could go to zero and you're done. Right? Like Worldcoin, the first one, um, went to zero. So the new Worldcoin, maybe, who knows, right? But will Ethereum, will Bitcoin go to zero? Never. And, and the reason is usability. Um, Bitcoin has Lightning Network. But Ethereum has something so much more. It has that programming uh, capability, which now they've added layer two. Again, all the layer twos go back to Ethereum as layer one. And they're now adding layer three and in some places, all right? So you, you want to talk about some amazing stuff that's coming. That's the one to look at because when you start to add these additional layers on top, you gain functionality, just like there's the old, and I, I'm going to go a little deep speak here, but the old OSI model for computers. You know, the early days of computers, we had friggin' vacuum cubes. You know, they call that layer one, right? Nobody deals with vacuum tubes anymore or transistors anymore. Why? Because we're all the way up here at layer seven, right? Yes. They literally went from layer one to layer seven from the 1970s to, I would call it about 1990. All right. It took them 20 years to build all seven layers, all right? Now, in 10 years, we're at layer three with Ethereum. And, you know, you can already see what's coming next, all right? So if you want to talk about something that's going to go somewhere, that's going to be now. Now, how does Ethereum secure its network? Well, it was another revolutionary, well, revolutionary from the standpoint that they're the largest blockchain to adopt this principle of staking. And, I mean, yes, there were others that came before, but I would call Ethereum staking done right. Because even if you go by just pure market cap, which I know I tell you never to do, but dude, it's $400 billion market cap or something like that today. Which means if you cracked the, the algorithm, if you broke it in some way, you would have $400 billion today. And no, Ethereum itself has never been cracked. Can you have an insecure code? Yes. I mean, there's insecure ATMs. Um, actually, there's more theft of regular ATMs worldwide than there is anything out of crypto today. Oh, wow. I, I, I can back that with actual data. You know, you get these friggin' journalists going, oh, Ethereum is unsecure. No, it isn't. Ethereum is very secure. Just these programmers set up something to allow it to be hacked. So the reason for staking, though, is that now you're securing the blockchain and now you're making sure that uh, all the transactions, all that happens uh, within this world, um, you're essentially one of many voters to make sure that this is secure. And as a result, you can earn a good amount of money because Ethereum is now deflationary. It is the first 
largest blockchain to be 100% deflationary. All right, they're still to this day burning more net, burning more than they've created. And that means at some point, <laughs> you forget about the happening, this is going to be way more valuable uh, than Bitcoin. So, from a utility standpoint, broader utility standpoint, I would say Ethereum has won the race, hand down. Mm. I, I, you know, <clears throat> that was the programmability aspect of it was what intrigued me because if you just combine you know programmability and money in the same sentence it just to me the possibilities just go you know this like what where, where would that you know what's the limit on that um and some of just very practical things like i was wondering like you know could they make it like when you do say you know you buy something and you're supposed to pay sales tax you know can that just all be like programmed in and probably save businesses all this headache of you know there's a lot of administrative things that have to be done because things are not programmable that maybe could could just be done you know in, in the in that whole use case and that's a big gigantic conversation um maybe we can touch on um one or two that are maybe not so obvious that maybe you're aware of or or just projects that people are are, are working on that that are a little bit out of what the typical do you have did anything come to mind for you on in, in that realm just you know unique sure. use use cases I, I go back to um you know one of my best podcasts um trying to remember the name of the um not anderson cooper but whatever but the um one of the large consulting companies all right and they're working with ethereum right now and uh, still and they're actually contributing to the code base and uh, they have a Fortune 5 client, you know, think big. And one of the big problems in supply chain, uh, and they've been trying to solve this for hot, more than 100 years, all right? Uh, when you get large-scale production, and, and I'm talking anything, even houses, even um, cars, boats, planes, you know, even down to the road that you're making, um, paving roads, uh, anything that's like that large-scale, you're producing things at a large amount of volume, and then it's used or consumed uh, way down in the supply chain. There's zero, really, uh, until Ethereum came along, there's no easy way to trace it back, right? So let's say you have this part, you know, what was it made, you know, who, who made it, what components made up that net component, um, it gets super complicated, super fast, all right? And they have, like I said, people have spent literally billions trying to fix that problem, all right? And until Ethereum came along, this is where, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, no, just to make this, um, so for example, a car has, uh, I don't know, a, a compressor in there somewhere that's compressing something to do something else. So what you're saying is with blockchain, you would be, if something went wrong with that part, what could you, what would blockchain help or Ethereum help? So recalls, just a basic easy one, recalls. Okay. Rather than recalling 50 million cars because you don't know where that part got used, you can recall the hundred that really matters. And that it surprises me that that's not currently possible without a blockchain. With all of our technology today, no. 
No and is that because of the... Right. So, I mean, you probably are someone that could really explain it. So what is different about blockchain and not blockchain worlds that allows this to happen? Well, at a layer two, every single component of every single part can be NFT. It would have a unique identifier that basically is then associated with that. So instead of serial numbers, forget that, it'll just have a little QR code. Done. Now, when you scan even the top level component, it'll explode out and oh. everything else that's related to it. Everything. And you can track it all the way back to the origin. Got you. Okay, so like when I go to Home Depot and I buy something and I got the little gun and it goes beep and it's capturing all that detail, you can do that in this in this assembly and manufacturing in a way that Every and what a great use case. Instead of recalling a million cars because a hundred bad components went out, you can get to the actual bad components, the owners, and that's a big save. That would be a big saving. Save a fortune. And wow. not to mention uh, improve quality of life. You know, something's really wrong with the part. You know, you can oh, re oh, sure. reach out directly to those hundred people and get them back in immediately. Hmm. I'm going to share a, a use case that that occurred to me because, and I think all of us like we have this thing in our mind like, okay, we have this blockchain. Where could it be used for? What could it be used for? So I do work for, with a, a, philanthrop a philanthropic organization, and um, sometimes they have trouble with the reporting of how funds were spent. And as I listened to the challenges that people were having, I, because you have a lot of volunteers that are, are at work diligently, but like, are they going to do the same bookkeeping job as, you know, a paid bookkeeper at a paid company who has this dedicated job? And also the, some of the nature of philanthropic work is that you're in areas of the world that don't have the strongest computer systems, Wi-Fi's networks. And, you know, the, people may be working with, handwritten notes, et cetera. So in other words, the point is, it's not that people are trying to scam the system. It's just that it's kind of onerous for them to assemble all this stuff and then send it back in. And it's like, and it's all just about reporting. It's just like, because someone in a faraway office that's providing the funds has their due diligence, where do those funds get spent? So yeah, could there be like an app where you take a picture, take, you know, take a picture of the receipt, press a button and it just gets put on chain. And then that person that's out in the field that's trying to do some good work with skimpy resources has no more bother, doesn't have to sit there and assemble reports and format it and all that because the information is now available in, I see it not in your head, is that a possible yeah, that's already in use, um, and a few different projects uh, have already oh. done something with that. Gitcoin is probably at the forefront of that, uh, just from a larger kind of a scale. Um, the idea being, every organization has a thousand different projects, really, and there's a thousand different places that you can spend your money, you know, uh, or effort or time or you know, pick something. And so you, you kind of need a way, like you're talking about, um, for people and projects to, uh, and it may not be dollars, uh, it could be pound, yen, pick something, right? Um, or even Ethereum. Um, and you need someone managing all that, yes. Uh, Gitcoin directly addresses this already, and it's actually a, a very mature uh, code base now. You can uh, copy it and use it yourself if you want. It's free, open source. Um, and then, yes, organization can now, from small to large, uh, can get together and 
decide what they want to spend their time and money on, uh, vote on it, however you want to vote on it, and then move forward uh, with those efforts with that objective in mind. And then once that objective is complete, uh, the responsible parties are rewarded uh, for it or, you know, that resource is consumed, however you want to do it. Hmm. Um, great project. Uh, I've talked, the guy that started it was Kevin Awaki, um, Ethereum uh, member, uh, Ethereum Foundation member, and then he left to start this, and now he's off to some other amazing projects. Um, but yeah, that's one of those, um, you're right. And right down the line, there's so many of these different use cases that are already being solved. Uh, probably, I would say the biggest problem we have right now uh, as a whole community is just messaging. We're just not really, rather than talking about FinTech, right, we're talking crypto. That's all people hear. Bitcoin is crypto. Ethereum is crypto. Staking is crypto. You know, um, we're really fintech. You know, uh, we're really a software stack for any small to large organization that wants to have a more modern fintech approach. Mm. That that's now I, I was going in a couple different directions there and uh, I'm not I'm not sure which which is which is good so let, let's come just back onto into say your journey here for a minute um so at some point you um did stay on ethereum did you did you did you actually do that as a yeah. how did you stake on it how did you stake as a solo staker or as a part of a pool or how did that work? Well, the first uh, few that I did are Genesis, actually. So yes, I was there in the very beginning. Um, and one of the first few, uh, no, now coming up on a thousand days of staking. And I would argue those are probably the most profitable ones <laughs> uh, because uh, those uh, few have already generated uh, more than 16 Ethereum uh, over time, right? Mm -hmm. So, and keep in mind, it's very inflationary, right? Right. So I'm no by no means a large staker. So yes, uh, I had computers. I built. I ran all the software myself. I started with um, the original Beacon Chain and uh, Prism and uh, all that in Gap. Um, the problem is over time uh, it becomes a little bit more unwieldy for uh, a solo staker for somebody that doesn't have a whole lot of you know computing resources. Uh, to be able to maintain a whole stack. Now, to maintain a whole stack, you need several different computers located in several different places. So actually the technical difficulty has gone up quite a bit, uh, as it should, you know, uh, for staking. And so that's where these other companies have come along, uh, and there's some great ones, launch nodes. Uh, I'm, I'm just for fun trying all nodes. Turns out all nodes cost a little bit more than say a launch node setup. Um, mm -hmm. but they have a nice UI, but I think launch nodes over time will probably have a similar UI improvement. Just give it anybody time, they'll have it. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be honest, there's not a whole lot of other, um, folks out there. I'm still shopping around, but as far as, you know, being able to do it yourself, um, unless it's your full-time job, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, because like I said, the technical difficulty has gone way up. You need you know, thousands of dollars of uh, hardware, uh, like I said, located at different data centers around the world. So, um, but, you know, just from a user perspective, running the code is not that bad. 
Um, it really isn't. And so, like, for example, if you wanted to, like one of the projects that's still based on Ethereum, it's FreeSearch, right? Um, that's the company I'm also working with now. Um, and I'm the CMO there. So um, we, you can do staking on pre-search. You are rewarded in pre-token. Um, they're going to be going with Cosmos, which is the layer two for Ethereum. See, it's all Ethereum based. Um, and that's something that, you know, if you want to have a search engine that's decentralized, if you want to have an AI that's decentralized, I mean, how do you do it? Pre-search is solving that. And it's solving that using the Ethereum blockchain. See, everything kind of rolls back to that. Um, and there is none really better for what we're doing better than that. Hmm. That, that that's that's pretty fascinating all, all in itself also um wow and again you know sometimes you say things like my brain starts going in five different directions and then i don't know uh where, where to head to next what 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 strikes me about you which is a little different than me i tried to stake ethereum myself um i i just lacked i and i'll tell you exactly what i like i lacked the the nerve because i was uncertain enough over what I was doing from a technical point of view. And, and in, in thinking you're, you're putting your chips forward, so to speak, and it's not a small amount. And I, I was just as like, no, I don't know enough about the unknowns here and I don't want to push the wrong button and see, you know, have some disaster happen where I, I lose my, you know, lose my uh, ETH or something like that. So that's when I discovered a company that um, would help me through that process. And uh, so that's what that's the launch nodes guys do. But I'll also tell you something, Jefferson, the way it's set up now, I don't do much anymore. It took a little while and every once in a while there's something happens, but on a, like the steady state is like maybe every four weeks, they'll send out an upgrade of the software of the prism. That's what I use. Right. And I have to go in because I'm using um, AWS now, and I have to navigate all the way through these different places in AWS. And I'm still a little bit nervous about it when I do it. But basically, I change one little code and then I back out and save everything. Um, so, but it's not definitely not for everybody. And you know, um, yeah. And I've I've even spoken to those guys. I said because after doing that like 15 times, I say there's got to be a way to put a little nice little UI in front of this and I just, you know, click, paste, copy, click, and, and, I'm, and I'm done. And then I thought, well, what if I, I have one, I just have one, one note. What if I had many notes? Is someone going in and every single node, they have to like repeat this process? That could get kind of labor intensive. So, yeah. So that's a kind of like that tooling uh aspect right which is probably as you're talking about these layers of stacks yeah we're at like you know dos command lines basically just a little above it a little above a little above that but that's the thing i mean yeah. uh, that's i mean dos started out you know that same point and now we have video conferences from around the world uh live you know streaming to your living room so and that was in you know 30 years so imagine crypto and, you know, even 20 years from now, um, they'll be far beyond this, I think. Um, and, you know, as it should be, you know, the folks that were helping to build a foundation uh, should be appropriately rewarded. And that's what this is all about. Um, at the moment, I'm just a reason why I wanted to go all know that I wanted to try out uh, Rocket Pool. I bought a whole bunch of Rocket Pool token from way back, um, back when it was way down. So I did good on that one. 
Um, because I, I mean, I saw that project and I'm like, I'm all in, you know. So that's the reason. It's like I wanted to spin up some rocket pool nodes and see how that works. Right. And if I had to, I could bring those back to myself. But one thing I am never getting rid of is my Genesis nodes. Um, I'm going to be keeping that one for a long time. No way. Um, what is it? What is a Genesis node? You were there day one when Ethereum staking happened. You were one of the first stakers. Oh. Right. So yes. That's what you were saying. You you were an original. Genesis five, five digit five digit number if you wanted to know. So very low. Everybody else is like six or even coming up on seven digits. You know, I'm back on the five digit numbers uh, for ID. So that gives you an idea. I was there when. Um, and I and that goes back to the history thing. You know, it's it's so amazing that there's so many of these different projects. It's like, how do you prove something happened? And then I think about uh, now blockchain. Now you can prove that these things are are happening. Like with pre-search, now we can actually almost prove what the truth is. See right now when you when you search on Google or Bing or anybody, they determine what the truth is gonna be for you based on your profile, based on your shopping history, based on everything that they know about you, which is a lot these days. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't want you know history rewritten, um, you know, if you want a pure search, I'll, I'll give you a, a relevant example. I mean, I don't like the guy, but you know, he's around, you know, Donald Trump. Let's say you're trying to research Donald Trump for history. You know, and it shouldn't matter the reason why, but you know, like, what did Donald Trump say on, you know, July 30th? Literally, I wanna know what the words. By now you search that on Bing or Google, they're giving you an edited version of that history. They're saying, oh, these are all the things that are false. I, yeah, okay, I get it, but I, I wanna know what he said, right? And keep in mind, that's just one guy. If they can rewrite the history for that one guy, now they have AI, imagine how many other history they can rewrite. And again, I'm all about, I'm big here, I'm all about facts, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if you wanna know how hard nose taking is, it's actually really hard now. For example, that's a fact. And you can ask a bunch of people on the eStaker or Discord channel, they'll all tell you the same thing. It's legit difficult now mm-hmm. and to do it yourself. Uh, but is it worthwhile if you got thousands of nodes? Yeah, through the guy, actually, you can probably look him up. He's like one of the more prominent block finders. But literally, you can see his history. His rewards all go to his address. And you can see he is restaking like one or two nodes every day. All right? Imagine the level of difficulty of that. Mm. All right? Um, and so it goes back to, yeah, even if you're just one node, um, yeah, launch nodes or even all nodes is great. Uh, but imagine if you have thousands of nodes, all nodes is not going to be, I already found out, it's way more expensive than to do it on launch nodes, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to see what, the, what it, but I also wanted to experience the, AI, the UI, what it was like and so forth, to get an idea from a user perspective, um, you know, staking, but still keeping everything on your, on your ledger. That part is neat, actually, with all nodes. Um, you know, using your ledger to sign the transactions that happen. That was really neat. Um, so I'm now thinking, you know, even beyond that, how do we, you know, broaden that use case out to where what I'm seeing will happen in probably the upcoming year that from your iPhone, you'll be able to stake easily. You know, just keep in mind, Ethereum has basically computing built in. Um, so you'll be able to stake from your iPhone just as easily as you do anything else. Um, and I, I think the costs are going to come way down over time uh, to the point that it's like part of the transaction, you know, 
those are my thoughts. Yeah, no, that's I, I'm I, when you mentioned the iPhone, I I'm surprised that what they're you know where they're going to land on on cryptocurrency and and all these things because um, and I have to believe that they have people looking at it because how could they not you know no matter whatever statement they might or might not make and I think I think that's something you know you read articles and. You know, the biggest of the big banks, they say, oh, this is all, you know, scammy and watch out. <laughs> and then they have units that are working to figure it out because, again, they, they would have to because it's in a way it's a it's a competitive thing. They, they kind of can't just say, well, we're going to ignore Bitcoin or we're going to ignore, ignore Ethereum. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's very insightful that you have uh, have, you know leaned in that in that in that way um let's see what else could i could i uh, allow you to talk about anything you want to uh to yeah, say that, that a couple last thoughts um sure. actually some good ones um i think that one of the key things to realize is that uh crypto uh is really a better representation of energy than fiat if you will, any dollar or, you know, yen or pick something. And the reason being is um, really in this universe, there's only two things. There's matter and there's energy, right? So, um, and everything else, literally everything else is a derivative of that gravity, uh, the walls that we see, all of that is derivatives of matter and energy. And by the way, neither can exist without the other, right? So um, it's one of those very interesting, you know, philosophical things. But you go beyond that and you go, well, if one person produces one work unit, doesn't matter what it is, they write a document, they jump out of a you know, perfectly good airplane with a parachute, whatever it is, uh, that energy uh, has now been expended. How do you represent that energy? And you know, until cryptocurrency, everything was represented using dollars. And the problem with dollars is it's like basically a information black hole. You know, you can a dollar, 99% of the information about the transaction has immediately been lost. Uh, the only thing that you know is that $1 has happened. That's it. You know, you look at that dollar bill and you go, well, how did I get this dollar? How did this dollar come into being? What am I, you know, what, who, where, hmm. why, how? Whose hands has it been into? What, what things did it buy or not buy or? Well, if you ask Robert De Niro in that one movie, he used it to snort coke. So, you know, there's a lot that can happen with that dollar, right? And it becomes very interesting um, that crypto now is a much better representation of energy. And, and that's what it's about is, you know, we have to be able to, as a species even, uh, better communicate with each other about this energy event, whatever that energy event is. And, um, it, and that's where, like I said, crypto comes in, uh, you, can, you can programmatically represent transactions. And what do I mean by that? So imagine, again, you go back to the guy jumping out of an airplane. Um, now you can actually more accurately represent all the elements of that transaction. What parachute he was using, you know, the serial number of that parachute, um, you know, where GPS coordinates, that could be saved uh, right there in the transaction. Uh, an NFT of the guy jumping out of the airplane can be generated on the fly with that date and timestamp. 
actually happening that you can hand out to your 100 best friends. On and on and on. There is so much that can happen programmatically that you cannot do with the fiat. And keep in mind, it's just decentralized. What does that mean? That means that the blockchain, nobody else has to get involved with that transaction. You don't have to ask the U.S. government permission to, you know, graffiti on a dollar bill that something had happened. Keep in mind, that's illegal to do, right? Here, crypto welcomes you to put the graffiti all over the blockchain. It doesn't care. Nobody's going to veto it. Nobody. So there is, therein lies that distinct difference. It's not so much about the Ayn Rand philosophy, which, you know, to be fair, is really unworkable. Like, if you, everybody were to try to do Ayn Rand, it would never work because we all have to rely on each other. I'm sorry, that's the universe we live in today. So if we're going to cooperate, and it's like I was, one of the people I was working with uh, had a disagreement with one of the other people I was working with, and I was like, dude, Listen, you don't have to like the guy. You just have to work with him. That's it. And it's not even very long. It's just for a little bit of time, and then you're done. And that's where we're at with the blockchain. We don't have to like each other with the blockchain. And we definitely don't have to trust each other with the blockchain. Trust is not a requirement of the blockchain. It just, it either is or it isn't. That's it. And that's why I like uh, crypto and this industry. And, you know, the last thought I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with um, and it's the thing I do on my podcast, which I invite you to listen to around the block. Currently on hiatus. No, I don't know how long because I'm in the midst of this giant research project. But I do plan to start it up again. Um, but it's like if you're trying to get involved, if you're a young 21-year-old, you know, grad student or 24-year-old, uh, going to be grad student, however it works out, right? And you're like, man, what is this blockchain all about, right? What am I going to do? Well, you can listen to podcasts like this one. Uh, you can listen to my Around the Block podcast. Um, but more importantly, way more importantly, is get involved. Go to a meetup. Um, go talk to people. Find them on LinkedIn. Find them on Twitter. Uh, send them a DM. If they don't reply, no big deal. Go to the next person. You know, look at the different projects. There's uh, literally thousands of projects out there. If you join up a project and it blows up, no worries. You learn something. Go to another project. Don't be afraid to fail. I failed like crazy when trying to spit up a node, all right? I failed having nodes working. It literally blew up in my face and I couldn't regenerate the node fast enough because you know, it took me a week before I found a way to host a node somewhere else while I'm trying to fix the regeneration of a node. Um, don't be afraid to fail. You're down for a week. You learned something. Um, nobody in this world is perfect. Don't be afraid to fail. Fail faster. That's one thing I like about Elon Musk. He says, fail faster. Recover as fast as you can from your failure. Learn as much as you can. You don't have to learn everything. Learn on the fly as much as you can and go, you know what? I'm not going to run everything on one piece of hardware anymore. I'm going to have 10 pieces of hardware, right? Um, or I'm going to go to 10 more meetups uh, before I decide that this meetup I want to go to. Whatever it is, fail faster, right? So that's that last thought. Oh, wow. Jefferson, that, that is wonderful. I think that's a, a great way to conclude. And, and this has been a really, really interesting conversation, which is many other conversations can, can come from this. Thank you, Jefferson Nunn, for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me. And uh, you're one of the first, again, you're part of our history. This is our fourth podcast. So you're right there. At, at the early stage of, of something that we, we hope to continue. Thank you very much. 
and I look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Join us for the next episode of The Lone Stakers. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate you sharing our crypto journey. Please send us a message via thelonestakers at gmail.com and make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and mash that bell button so you never miss an episode. The Lone Stakers Podcast. Everywhere you find podcasts. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.